Father, this morning we acknowledge that you are the creator of all. And that you died to be the savior for all. And that you came to shake things up. And Lord, in a world that is so broken, a culture that is broken, people who are so in need, would you show yourself real to us today? Would you shake us from the inside out? We ask that your spirit would move just in an incredible way today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. All right. So if you'll get your Bibles out, we're going to be in Acts 4, and I'm going to walk you through what we just prayed. Um, set it up in uh, Acts chapter 1, Luke's the writer, and uh, Luke tells us that the early church, they didn't know what to do, and so after Jesus is, is, res- is died, he's resurrected, but they, they're not sure what's going on, Jesus shows up and says, you're going to be my witnesses all over the world, Okay. They stay there in the upper room. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit falls on them in fire and they begin to speak in other languages and they preach the gospel to all these people who are in Jerusalem in speaking in different languages. They all accept Christ. 3,000 men are baptized, um, women and children, and then they scatter to their homes and the gospel goes. And um, then Peter and John run into a lame man at the gate of the city gate of Jerusalem in chapter 3. And the guy's asking for money, and Peter and John said, well, we don't have any money, but what we do have, we'll give you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. The guy goes walking and leaping and praising God. Everybody knows this guy's been lame for 40 years, so they want to arrest the guys, but they don't know what to do. They can't punish Peter and John because everybody sees the miracle right in front of them, but they decide to arrest him anyway. So now they got a meeting and they don't know what to do with Peter and John because they said, uh, listen, here's the deal. There's no other name in heaven by which we must be saved but the name of Jesus. And so they're scared, but they said we can't do anything because that guy's out there jumping and leaping around. So they warned them and threatened them. Now I want to know what the threats were. It doesn't tell us. But I'm guessing they threatened them with their livelihood. They threatened them with jail. They threatened them with whippings. These are the spiritual people in the community, okay? They're threatening Peter and John with all of these things. And they finally release Peter and John. And that's where we pick up the story today. They go back to the church, and the church does the only thing they know how to do. They pray. Stand with me, please. Verse 30, 23. Upon their release, Peter and John went back to the church and reported all that the chief priest and the elders had said to them, all the threats. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said. Now, I want you, we'll talk about what they prayed and what they didn't pray. Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? Can we we just leave it there, Allison, just for a minute? This is from Psalm 2. If you'd like to go back and read Psalm 2, you will think you're reading what's happening right today in our culture. You want to read about Russia? Read, read Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? 
The kings of the earth take their stand. The rulers gather together against the Lord and against the anointed one, against the Savior. Indeed, Herod and Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the Jews. So who's, who's in on this killing of Jesus? Herod, Pilate, Gentiles, Jews. That's all of us. They met together in Jerusalem to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Boldness. Now, Lord, consider their threats and give your servants the ability to speak with boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal, perform miraculous signs and wonders through the Holy Spirit. And the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God. Okay, you can be seated. Now I want to show you something. When the Holy Spirit came, he did not do anything weird. All right? I know, you watch all this stuff on YouTube. When the Holy Spirit came, nobody jumped over the pulpit. When the Holy Spirit came, nobody started running circles around the church building. When the Holy Spirit came, they did what? They spoke the Word of God boldly. Because the purpose of the Holy Spirit is not to draw attention to you or me. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to draw attention to Jesus. That's always the purpose of the Spirit of God. All right, before we dig into this text, and listen, iPhones, iPads, Bibles, your prayer journals. What I did in my prayer journal, I go through it every week, and I just, like like for this, not, not for the sermon, but for me, <coughs> I just went through this passage and I just underlined and highlighted like the word boldness. I just got that all highlighted up. I wrote myself little notes out to the side, what it means. I wrote people's names beside some of that, people that I'm praying for, uh, for boldness. That, that's what you do with a prayer journal, all right? So whatever you've got, uh, follow along with that. But I, I want to ask you a personal question. I've been here a long time, so I feel like I've earned the right to ask this kind of question. If you're in the witness protection program... You don't have you don't have to say anything, um, but I'm just curious. How many of you? Really, this is really personal. All right, comforters or quilts? All right, you got to make a choice. All right, life is about choices. Comforters, quilts. All right, some of you are like me, and I'm not going to tell you. Because I don't like to make blanket statements. <clears throat> All right. I needed water after that. That's correct. Okay. Welcome to everybody in Palm Bay and Deland. And if you're watching online, we're, we're glad you're there. If you just tuned in, you probably just as well. You missed the joke. Um, but uh, here's a... A statement that was made by a man named F.B. Alexander. He said, most people are trying to decide their destinies. But he said, in truth, 
You don't decide your destinies. You decide the habits that you're going to have in your life. And those habits will create your destiny. And for the church, one of the things that we talk about a whole lot more than we do is pray. We're better talking about it and teaching about it than we are about actually taking time to pray. And yet the early church, that's all they had. And is it any wonder that the early church was so much stronger, so much bolder, so much more outreach focused? Because they knew what their power source was. And when you unplug from the power source and you say, well, we're going to learn from everything else and from society, no wonder the church has found itself in a world where it's anemic and has no real influence on the culture. Because our power does not come from us or from some psychology book. Our power comes from the authority of the Word of God. So when Peter and John come back and they're like, They arrested us, they kept us overnight, they yelled at us, they interrogated us, they threatened us, and it says twice. They threatened them, but they thought, probably because that didn't seem to bother Peter and John, it said they threatened them some more, then they let them go. So they go back to the church, and the church says, well, we need to pray. And the church starts at a very good place. They start with creation. Because until you get this part right, the rest of it's not going to make any sense. So they start off giving God praise for the fact that it's all His. Look, everything I have is on loan. You created the heavens, the earth, the sea, the land. It's all yours. Life belongs to you. That's, that's where they start their prayer. When you start from that precept, you already understand where prayer is. Again... Here's my problem, all right? Maybe I'm speak for you. I'm always in a hurry. Anybody else like that? Even if I'm going to do nothing, I'm in a hurry to do it. And this is how your prayers come out. God, you know I love you. You know I care about you. Oh, yeah, I'm a sinner. Forgive me for that. Now, let me get down to the core of things. I need this and I need that and don't forget about this. Anybody pray like that? See, you can't really pray unless you take some time. You see, if, even, if you come and sit down, you, you want something from me, you're probably at least going to say, Hi, Joe. How are you, Joe? Before you start asking me for something. That's just common courtesy, right? So they start off with an acknowledgement that, God, you are the power source. You are the creator of life. This is your church. This is your work, not ours. They start off with that complete acknowledgement of who God is. Now, when you find heroes, and we do this all over our society, when we find heroes, we cheer for them. Sports, military, actors, whatever. I mean, it's the world's always been a celebrity culture to one degree or another. I'm going to give you a new one. This is John Harris. All right. Anybody know who John Harris is? You need to go home and build a monument. All right. John Harris was a Union soldier, and that's awesome. All right. Please fact check me on this. All right. John Harris is the inventor of bacon. Come on. All right. Men, men, can I hear an amen? Huh? Make a little shrine to this guy and just thank him occasionally. 
Now, somebody said, well, I thought that was the pig. Well, but John Harris is the one that came up with the idea of salting it, curing it so that they could travel with it, and you and I could have the kind of bacon that we have today. That guy's worth celebrating, and nobody even knows who he is. Now, we do that all the time. Sports people, coaches, whoever. We've all got heroes that we look to. There's nothing wrong with that. But when we go to prayer, how do we not acknowledge the one who in a split second created the universe? Who spoke and put all the planets into space? Who spoke and created all that we have that we cannot understand? I I just think it's funny to listen to scientists explain everything that they have no idea what's going on. I mean, literally, this is how big the universe is, and you know how far we've been? That far. And yet they know all about it. And the truth is, God is the one that we start with. And Nehemiah does this better maybe than anybody else. If you, if you want to learn how to pray, Nehemiah chapter 1 and Nehemiah chapter 9 are two of the greatest prayers in the Bible. And all you have to do is cross out Israel and write America and cross out Nehemiah and put in your name. And you can pray a long time off of those two chapters. But here's what it says in chapter 9, verse 6. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all the starry hosts, the earth and all that's in them, the seas and all that's in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. Wow. What a statement. Let me hit this one real quick. You know, when it talks about the flood... It says that the fountains of the deep broke open, so a lot of the water was not where it is now. The water was underground. You want to know why they're finding cities and stuff under the ocean? Uh, Because there there was land at one time. So the fountains of the deep broke open, and it also says that the water that was above the earth broke loose as well. So there's a whole lot more water here on the earth now than there was when God created it. And scientists have said for years, this is ridiculous. I want to show you what science found about six, six months ago. This is way out in space, and this huge cluster, it looks, it's stars and all kinds of, it's actually water. It is trillions upon trillions of gallons of water that's just spinning around in the atmosphere. So God's got water wherever God wants water. Does that make sense to everybody? Job said it this way. Check, what, check out what Job said. He said, God, or God, God is speaking to Job. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of hail? God's got a place somewhere where he keeps snow and hail and rain and Meteorologically, we can look at it and go, yeah, we, we kind of, you know, we see the clouds. and Yeah, but God knows where it is. That's crazy, isn't it? But it's biblical. So we acknowledge that God is the creator, but we also acknowledge then that Jesus is the Savior. That he is, they use the word anointed, all right, because in the Jewish culture, that's the word you want. When, when a king or a prophet or a priest, when somebody was set apart for a job, they would be anointed. There would be a time when they would bow down, they would have oil put on their head, they would be crowned, they would be anointed to do a job. 
God anointed Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah. So when they use the word anointed, it means the one that God set apart from the beginning of time to save mankind. Now this sounds like foolishness if you're not a believer, if you don't understand that man is wicked. I, I'm amazed when I read still today, when I read psychologists and psychiatrists who say, you know, mankind is actually good at the core. Have you read the paper lately? Just, you know, well, that may be good. You know what? You really don't have to go outside of Daytona. No, man is not good. The Bible says just the opposite. Man is sinful. Jeremiah said our hearts are wicked. That's why you need a savior. So one of those viewpoints is wrong. In fact, if evolution was true, I'm going to, I'm going to do a survey here. I did it last night. I don't know how many washers and dryers are on the earth, but I'm going to say a lot. All right. We're going to say billions, billions of dryers and billions of loads of laundry happen every single day. All right. We had five kids. My wife did a lot of laundry, all right? And I got banned early on, but she did a lot of laundry. But if evolution were true, at some point, you should open your dryer and it should look like this. Yeah, right. Anyone, I checked last night. Anybody in here ever had that happen? Okay, two for two. All right, I'm, that's, that's not scientific. I'm not checking the whole world. But if evolution were true, that day should happen if you give enough drier spins, according to evolution, eventually that would happen. It's ridiculous. No, we acknowledge God as the creator. We acknowledge that Jesus is the Savior of the whole world. And again, this is where people get sideways. Well, it's this idea that it's exclusionary. No, Jesus died for everyone. You just get to decide whether you're going to accept it or not. And that's why we're here every week. Last night, last night I went home on a high. All right. We, I'll just tell you what happened. All right. You, you paid your full admission, right? We good? All right. Um, so we had a, we had a scheduled baptism. We had two baptisms. Uh, a 19-year-old girl and her dad been, have been watching online from Maine. And they drove down. She said, for my 19th birthday, I want to go to Tomoka, and I want to accept Christ, and I want to be baptized. So we baptized both of them, and then two more ladies came. One lady said, I just flew in from Seattle, and I've waited all my life for this. We baptized her and her friend. They said, Joe, don't get out of the water. And two, two young men from Pearson came forward and gave their lives to Christ. And so it's had six people give their lives to Jesus last night. And um, in fact, this sleeve is still a little damp, all right? Um, Pastor Cord's going to be in the water today. So if you have not accepted Jesus, you need to be baptized. Palm Bay, DeLand, 
Ben, David are there. If you're online, push that button. I've decided there'll be counselors up front. But I want you to see what Scripture says about this Jesus. Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from the darkness for the prisoners. When the Messiah comes, that's what he's going to do. Here's Luke 4.18. This is Jesus speaking. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to release the oppressed. Does that sound familiar to you? Jesus is the fulfillment of Isaiah's words 740 years earlier. That he is the Messiah. And the resurrection is the proof of that event taking place. That is, that's what we're here to celebrate. And I want to tell you, one of the, to me, one of the most amazing testimonies in the Bible, I should save this for Easter, but it's okay, um, is the Roman centurion. You have to understand the Romans, first of all, if you're a Roman centurion, you got one job and that's to serve Rome. But, if you're going to worship, you worship their pantheon of gods. And these guys were around gruesome death every single day of their life. And to me, the most powerful statement at the cross is not John's, it's not, it's not anything else that was said, but the Roman who's there. And the Roman says, surely he was the son of God. The Roman said that. And again, I wasn't there, I don't have a tape recorder, but that's what is recorded. To me, that speaks volumes. And then we get to the meat of it. It says, they prayed, and they didn't know what was going to happen, but God shook things up. God shook the building, God shook them. God showed up, kind of like he did in Acts 2, he shows up with fire. But it says, after he came, they were given more boldness. Now, notice what they didn't pray for. All right, because if we were praying this, we'd pray something like this. Oh, God, please keep me safe. Oh, God, please don't let me go anywhere dangerous. Oh, God, please don't send me here. You don't see any of that foolishness. They said, here's what they said. You can look, highlight it, because I did. Lord, you know what they threatened us with. You deal with them. I love that. You consider the threats they made against us. And then give us boldness. In my mind, this is the first time they ever figured it out. Even in Acts 2, when they're all speaking in other languages and Peter's explaining what's going on and how the church is happening, this is the first time they actually get it. Because they're like, it doesn't matter what the leader said, doesn't matter what the chief priest says. It matters what we know to be true because we saw the resurrected Jesus. In fact, I'm assuming that in that prayer service was that man who had been crippled for 40 years. He's in there with them. And they're like, Lord, you deal with the authorities, but you give us the courage to be bold and share the word of God. The most amazing story I came across this week was a video. I don't speak Ukrainian, but I'll tell you what it said. It was a grandfather who would, did a video, I don't know, whatever you do, recorded himself, sent it to, sent it to his granddaughter. He, she's three years old. 
And he said, you'll probably never see me again. He said, I want you to know that I love you. And he said, I want to tell you why I stayed in Ukraine. And he's blessing his granddaughter. He said, but as we're being bombed and as we're dying, I'm going to have a chance, perhaps with somebody's dying breath, to lead them to Jesus. And he said, that's what I'm called to do. Now, do you think that little girl's ever going to forget? Now, Grandpa could be with her, and he could be teaching her Bible stories, but I'm guessing his actions are going to have far more weight in that young girl's life than you and I could ever imagine. What am I saying? I'll just say it. We're soft. We Americans are soft. The American Christians. We want everything to be easy. In fact, preachers won't even say hard things in the Bible, not because we're going to be arrested or beaten or killed, but because somebody might call me a name. Oh, okay. People have been calling me names all my life. What do I care? In fact, I doubt you can catch up to what I was called on the ball field. So it's it's okay. It's okay. Pray for boldness. What's, whoever said it's supposed to be easy? Whoever said we're supposed to be soft? Whoever said we're supposed to be safe? If you don't learn anything from the Christians right now in Ukraine and Poland, you have no idea what faith really looks like. Quit reading the headlines in the news and look for those backstories about what the church is doing and how they're praying and how they're sharing the gospel and how they're feeding each other and how nobody's saying, hey, this is mine or that's mine because you know what? Everything's gone. So all that matters is my soul. And they figured that out. Where else do I want to go? Oh, Haggai, there he is. This is, this is written 520 years before Jesus. So this is 2,500 years ago. Prophet Haggai wrote these words. I will shake all the nations. He'll do what? I'll shake all the nations. And the desired of all nations will come. Who's the desired one? It would be the Messiah, be Jesus, the anointed one, the Savior. And I will fill this house with glory says the Lord Almighty. Look, I don't know what your prayer life looks like, but mine's not where it needs to be. And I've only met a couple people in my life that said, Joe, I've got prayer on track. Most everybody you talk to says I'm a work in progress. All I'm trying to do is get you to take another step. Start off Acknowledge Him as Creator. Acknowledge Him as Savior. Acknowledge Him. We'll get some application here. Acknowledge that He's the one that shakes things up. Now, what do I do with that? Well, that's when we confront our sin. That's where we confront our addiction. God, I need you to come in here and shake my life up. God, I need you to give me the courage because I just don't have it. Lord, I need you to help me in my marriage. I need you to help me with my sexual struggles. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, understand that we have a God. I know, listen, don't, the world, you know, prayer's crazy, God's crazy, the Bible's crazy, Jesus is crazy. You know what? One of us is crazy. We'll find out when we get on the other side of eternity, okay? But I've already made my bets as to what that's going to look like. The early church went all in. And that's the deal. You can't partially accept Jesus. 
And you can't partially pray. Either we believe it or we don't. Either we're going to be real or we're not. And when we want things to be shaped, hey, my friends need to be saved. My neighbors need to be saved. God, give me the boldness to talk. Give me the boldness to invite. There's so many things that we need to talk about. But never once do Peter and John say, Lord, get these guys out of our way. In fact, you know what got them to pray? The persecution. I'm not saying the church wasn't praying before. But it was Peter and John's arrest. And when the culture said, don't talk about Jesus anymore, that's when things caught fire. Because that's when the church prayed and God showed up. How many of you think God still shows up when God's people pray? All right? Again, we get caught up in so many ridiculous... I'm not making fun of anybody's prayers. But I want you to compare your prayers to what's prayed for here in Acts 4. Listen, there's all kinds of prayers. But I think if, we, if we're honest, our prayers are pretty anemic. Instead of being bold, powerful prayers, the Lord use me to change the world. All right. Here's a guy. I should know his name. I knew it last week. I forgot. Here he is. I don't know. Sports guy. I don't know. He's a Ukrainian. It doesn't matter. I just want to tell you a story. Um, because... This is what bothers me. It's not that he did it, that's one thing, but that he was dumb enough to post it. That's the problem about this generation. See, my generation was dumb, we just didn't post everything, okay? Um, But every young man of fighting age stayed in Ukraine to fight. Yes? The women and children left. Even the old men who could have left, most of them did not. This guy, because of his privilege, whatever it was, he got out. And he posts this. I don't know if he's in Germany or America. I don't know where he is. But he posts, I'm safe. But I want you to know I feel really badly about leaving. Kind of reminds me of the guy that got in the boat on the Titanic. Uh Women and children only, right? Now listen. None of us know exactly how we would react if our moment came. I think I got a pretty good idea, but none of us know for sure. But I'm safe. And somewhere along the line, we've bought this lie as Christians that that's the goal. That was never the goal of the church. I need to be safe. God, I want to serve you, but will it be safe if I give this money? Will it be safe if I serve? Will it be safe if I go there? No. If you want to live Christianity, you go where it's not safe. And you pray for the Almighty God to protect you. That's right. God, thanks. I don't know who needs what. I don't know who needs to be shaken up. I don't know who needs to acknowledge you as the creator. I don't know who needs to acknowledge you as savior and accept you and be baptized today. I don't know who's watching online, Palm Bay, land. I have no idea what you're up to, except that I know you have two purposes. One is for us to be saved. And then two is for us to turn around once saved And help somebody else get saved. So Lord, I don't know. I don't know. How you're working right now. But I pray that you show us no mercy. And your Holy Spirit shakes this place. In Jesus name.